Today, we're going to be talking about Brian Cox and a Saudi film on Netflix called Naga. We are also going to be chatting about what caught the eye of the collector at Art Basel in Miami Beach. And the Hollywood sign has had a very big birthday this week. I'm Inas Rafari and you are listening to Culture Bites coming from you here at The National in Abu Dhabi. And I'm Farah Andrews. Please remember to subscribe and follow on your favourite podcast app. And give us a follow on YouTube as well so you can see our little faces. <laughs> so we've been off for a couple of... It's been two weeks? It's been two weeks but it feels like a lot longer. Well, it was definitely not for me because I was working at COP28, which was amazing, but also quite tiring. And there's loads that's been happening in your world as well that I've probably missed out on. Yeah, but your world has been very, very busy at COP. Our world has been, yeah, international news has just kept ticking on. But I think COP has kept most people in our newsroom pretty busy, right? Yeah, I think the vibe here at the National is definitely we're winding down. We're coming to Christmas New Year celebrations, fireworks. Are you seeing any? winding down? Do you Never. feel wound down? <laughs> wound <laughs> I, up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, no, it's not. I, we are definitely getting to the end of the year. There's been a lot of um, reflection on the year, which I think has been nice and kind of getting the kind of like looking back, but also more importantly, looking forward for everything we've got coming up in next year. I mean, what is the date right now? It's the 14th. Oh my gosh, Nintendo's time. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> Are you ready? No. Mm. I have been um, trying to use my air fryer to dehydrate oranges. This is relatable content. This is really relatable content um, because, you know, doing craft really helps me relax. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I've been making Christmas decorations and I've been dehydrating oranges, mainly for scent reasons. Yeah, I really nice. like smelly things in my home. Where are you going to put them? Um, I don't know. Okay. Probably on the tree. Oh yeah, nice. Make a garland. <laughs> garland for the tree. Garlands go great anywhere. Yeah. So it's being home, you know, just trying to involve. And also the children, both of my kids have been off of school now since the 8th. Yeah. So juggling that and COP and my mother-in-law. Thanks mother-in-law for coming to visit during COP. That was she great. She does mean that. No. She means thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, it was <laughs> Let's great. Let's not call the family rich. <laughs> No, it was great. And it was my daughter's birthday as well. So it's been a very hectic a very time for me. Busy week. So I kind of can't remember what was life like before or after. What is life? Like that, mm-hmm. I guess that's what BC means now before COP. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But a lot has happened. And what's been going on in your life? Are you crafting? No, I was actually just thinking, I was like, have I had a crafty Christmas? No, because I haven't had a moment which I don't want to be like that oh I'm so busy because I really hate the busy showing off like you aren't achieving things unless you're the busiest person in the room I mean you had a very busy two weeks at COP that's okay you aren't marching around and I've been dehydrating oranges in my air fryer listen she's found time to dehydrate oranges she's not that busy (laughs) Um, no I haven't been that crafty I have been watching a lot of Christmas films, which I think we're going to talk about another time. I think we can talk about that another time. Let's just keep some of that content for later. But I have really made my way through the festive catalogue already. It's only the 14th, so I've got 10 more days to really get for a few more. Up the ante. What else have I been doing? I have cooked a lot. I've been to some art things. There's been a lot. Aww. Yeah. What have you cooked? What's your favourite dish to cook? Oh, I do like cooking. You know I like cooking. I know. Um, On... This week I did make spaghetti vongole, which is probably my speciality. So, yeah, this was like, you mentioned this before. I'm quite jealous. Mm. And 
Where do you get your clams from? Okay, so there's a nice little fish shop quite near my house and they sell local clams. This sounds like we've orchestrated this. We actually haven't. This is this conversation is <laughs> organic. Um, the, they sell local fish and I got UAE clams for 11 dirhams for a kilogram. <gasps> That's a steal. That is so cheap. So we essentially had the bougiest midweek dinner, spaghetti vongole, which is like my favorite thing to order in a restaurant. And it cost 11 dirhams plus olive oil, plus garlic, which I already had in the house. Plus spaghetti. There's an 11 dirham dinner. That's so good. Also, very carbon neutral. Yeah. Over from over here. Very healthy because high protein. I mean, spaghetti, but delicious. Spaghetti brings happiness. (laughs) Do I talk about that here? Um, (laughs) Spaghetti is happiness. And so it was just, it was a lovely, lovely meal. So that's my favorite thing to cook. I've made you orzo and prawns before. You have made me orzo The Ottolenghi recipe, which is an all-time fave. Yeah. But this isn't, I mean, I could actually have a cooking podcast. Do we want that? <laughs> Do we want that? I could talk a lot about Indian food. I'm a big fan of Indian food and cooking Indian food. But let's... Let's, let's get onto the art, my friend. Let's go into art and culture, which is why hopefully you're here for, not just for our chat. Um, do you want to tell us what's caught your eye? I mean, it caught your eye yesterday. Um, you came into my office to tell yeah. me. So we are two vocal fans of Succession. Very vocal. And I think one of our mutual favorite parts of Succession is Logan Roy, the um, expletive-filled patriarch of the Roy's. Do you ever just think when you're watching that you wish you could like just come up with those like one-liner comebacks that quick? Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, how they turned a boardroom into something extremely fascinating. I mean, they are fascinating, but they turned it into like a visually fascinating. That's a a conversation for another time. We can talk about that later. But Brian Cox, uh, the Scottish actor who plays Logan Roy, has um, he has performed a reading of If I Must Die, the poem by Rifat Alaria, um, the Palestinian poet and scholar who has been killed in Gaza. He he died on the 7th of December. Um, The poem has been very, very broadly shared on social media. I think you've shared it. I've definitely, I think I've seen it on your social media. And um, it's, um, it has become, I mean, like the message is like so pertinent. He didn't actually write it recently he wrote it in 2011 which i think ah, because i think there's some definitely some misinformation about that because people are saying that he wrote it this year yeah people are saying it he posted it on november the first ah. but on his um wordpress the i don't even know if that he definitely wrote it in 2011 he could have written it um could have been in a notebook yeah um he but he shared it in 2011 mm. on his wordpress um and the poem is i mean brian cox he is an incredibly um, classically trained actor, right? So he's very he like the kind of Shakespearean roles, mm. and he brings that oh he gravitas brings the gravitas to it. He just gives it like another level of depth because I've you know I've read the poem many times. Mm-hmm. I think it's been shared a lot during this conflict. And um, what Brian Cox does so well is, like you said, he just brings gravitas to his voice, and he really makes the sound almost vibrate there's this the words are vibrating in you his like the intense eye contact that he makes with the camera is like it's completely there's like no movement mm. he's obviously like knows this poem incredibly well and yeah the reading is very moving are we able to put a little extract of the reading if i must die by rifat alaria if i must die you must live to tell my story, to sell my things, to buy a piece of cloth, 
and some strings. Make it white with a long tail, so that a child somewhere in Gaza, while looking heaven in the eye, awaiting his dad who left in a blaze and bid no one farewell, not even to his flesh, not even to himself, seize the kite, my kite you made flying up above, and thinks for a moment an angel is there bringing back love. If I must die, let it bring hope. Let it be a tale. Um, And Cox is like one of a collective of distinguished actors, authors, musicians, who've actually written a public letter to um, the president, Joe Biden Mm -hmm. of of the US, advocating for an urgent ceasefire. Um, So that's like, you know, he's on the list of people who are really trying to be pushed and use their platform for that reason. Speak out and speak out for for the people in Gaza, for sure. Mm. I think he's a really, I mean, I'm a huge fan of his before Succession as well. Um, He's just got like a way about him. But he did this documentary years ago um, about like the working classes in Scotland. And just like his witty comments were just so on point. And he he just, he gets people and he understands the struggles of people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that he's really brought to this. So if you haven't seen it, you have now hopefully heard it or, you know, seen it if you're watching us on YouTube. Um, But if you haven't, that definitely try and check it out right we're going to go and talk about something else now that's like quite close to my heart there's been a lot of controversy over a big american actor who i'm actually a really big fan of denzel washington yeah. um i don't want to hear a bad word said about him nah, 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 nah. <laughs> but he is like he's been cast as hannibal in uh, a new drama for uh, Netflix mm-hmm. and the casting has sparked up yet another kind of race uh, debate in the Middle East. Yeah, there's but, been a lot of conversation about this. So, you know, Hannibal was born in Cortage, which Yeah, is, so you're going to have to do a hi- bit of a history lesson <laughs> yeah. for me and I'm sure some of our uh, our listeners, so so just imagine this kind of like, he's a statesman, he battles the Romans in Carthage, becomes this kind of like formidable figure in what history. What era are we in? We are way, way back. We're Roman times. Oh, we're Roman. Okay. <laughs> we're Roman times. So there's a lot of debate about this. And it kind of like conjures up those feelings that we had earlier this year about Cleopatra mm-hmm. being played yeah. by a black woman. And now we have another North African played by a black American actor. Yeah, I think the thing is is like you know i think it is i understand the need for you know more roles being given to um you know actors of color that's great however i think a lot of the time there is a distortion of arab history yeah. and i'm not saying that there aren't there are of course a huge population of black arabs like arab to be arab is to speak arabic yeah it's not that complicated so obviously there's a lot of different colors and shades within the middle east i'm very proud of that if you follow me on instagram you'll know and i just but however having a black american actor play somebody who is of tunisian descent feels a bit of a stretch and it's just it's the same that we had with cleopatra yeah because cleopatra was not black yeah um however she was played by a black actress in the netflix dramatization but it was kind of like a docudrama so there's they're saying oh we're doing this really really well but you're doing really big 
factual inaccuracies. And I think Bassam Yusuf actually spoke about it uh, in an interview saying, like, we understand that America has a lot of, like, you know, things with race mm -hmm. and they're trying to put things right by casting people in certain roles. And that is great. And we've obviously had years, generations, decades of whitewashing in history in general mm -hmm. and then more specifically in Hollywood. Like, that has been the precedent until mm -hmm. kind of very recently. And so this is obviously a very concerted effort to move away from that. But then it's like a kind of a new, it's not two wrongs aren't making a right here, right? Yeah. And I think for a lot of Arabs, like we already feel quite underrepresented anyway in yeah. Hollywood, right? Um, I think everyone who is a Middle Eastern um, descent, like I, I remember like, you know, talking about like feeling feeling like connected with a character from a film. Do you remember the old film with Kevin Costner, mm -hmm. Robin Hood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a Muslim character in that. I was a very little human being then, <laughs> so I obviously watched it years I after. I am older than you, so <laughs> I remember it clearly. But Morgan Freeman played, I think his name was Azim, um, who was from, uh, technically from North Africa, uh -huh. right? And I just remember just being so happy there was a Muslim character on TV. And that was like such a big thing for me because I'd never seen that before yeah. and we're talking 1991 and i probably watched the film when i was older was yeah probably a few years yeah. yeah i'm not that old no <laughs> but um in early so, 20s watching this film <laughs> no no um so yeah i think i think like you know a lot of uh, a lot of people of middle eastern descent have grown up kind of like hoping and praying for those days when the limelight of hollywood would descend upon us and suddenly we'd be given a voice and a face and a yes here's my culture and my religion and it's all okay mm. but unfortunately that seems to have fallen flat this time with netflix netflix have bec are becoming they're making an effort to be more transparent about what they're working on their um viewership figures and they released this huge report which was basically just stat, 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 stat. but there was one part of it that stood out to me and that was um that 30 percent of viewers were watching or 30 percent of viewership was on non-english um tv sh on shows and films which shows that the, the market is growing 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 things don't have to be a default english in film in NA entertainment and that wasn't just the rest of the world that was that's global viewership a hundred percent I mean the rest of the world most of the world isn't American yeah I mean, okay and I whoa. think <laughs> shock horror most of the world isn't American and I think even from my perspective like even as somebody who's you know growing up in England I'm kind of like okay I get that American narrative I get it cool fun yeah we've seen it that's, we've been, seen that's it. what we've grown up with give me Korea yeah. Give me India. Give me Saudi Arabian um, film, which I will talk about today. But like, give me a, anything else which is kind of like pushing my understanding of culture. Yeah. Just give me something a bit different. And I can watch it dubbed if I can't be bothered to read subtitles. But I'm still I'm getting something I'm one of these people that has subtitles on always. Do you like a really? subtitle? Yeah. I like reading what I'm You're watching. You're that person. Yeah. I do that for my children because I heard that if you have the subtitles on, they learn to read quicker. Oh, maybe that's why I do it. I'm such a fast reader. <laughs> <laughs> I used to put them, well, when I was growing up, we used to have the Arabic subtitles on all the time. If you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer or like anything that was in our, in English, yeah. the Arabic subtitles would be on so that people could read the translation. And ah. I think I got better at reading Arabic through the subtitles. That's smart. When um, <clears throat> when I lived in Spain, the there was there's basically no English 
entertainment in Spain. They don't then if they nada. show nada. <laughs> if they show it, films like um, Hollywood films, they're they're dubbed. They aren't subtitled, and so I got pretty good at understanding like Western films dubbed over in Spanish, and then like having to like, double translate in my brain. That was <laughs> that's a riddle. <laughs> But also, everyone does say watch entertainment in other languages to learn those to learn the language. Mm. Okay, I wanted to talk about something that uh, I was raving about. I think I came to work and was like, "You must see it! You must see it!" Oh yes. Okay, so I watched. (laughs) Well, I was inspired by the Nationals' uh, review. Yeah, we did have a review. Yeah, of the Saudi film uh, Naga. Naga. Um, which yeah, I think that's also the pronunciation because it's spelled with a cough, but uh, as Saudis were pronounced, and it came it, out last week, so it's yeah. fresh, fresh. It's on very, Netflix. very fresh on Netflix. It's about a kind of a Saudi, a local Saudi girl. She gets stranded in the desert on the outskirts of Riyadh after going to a desert camp. We've all been to a desert camp. So doesn't she have like quite? So I've not watched the film, but I've read this review and the synopsis. She has quite a tight curfew, and everything's a bit of a tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. It stressful. is, and usually I hate, I hate. It's one of my passions. Is those films which are all based in one day, one night? Uh, because oh I, no, I quite like them. Do I find you? them really stressful. <laughs> They're really stressful <laughs> when they play out in real time. Like, <laughs> but I didn't like Twenty Four. But okay. we don't have to go with that. There's a few of these films kicking around mm-hmm. and I genuinely try and avoid them because I'm like whatever whatever I really hate them like the, the anxiety they give me is just not worth it but this film even though it does give you quite a bit of anxiety because there is that ticking element the cinematography was just so fresh so new so representative of this new Saudi Arabia Middle Eastern culture that we're seeing emerging the actual like you know at times I was like who's made this is this Tarantino Uh, no it's somebody new it's not Tarantino it's somebody more new it's new new um so anyway more new than Tarantino well Tarantino's yeah (laughs) Yeah. but anyway it's really really good and the whole thing it plays on a lot of like you know Saudi uh social structure you get a sense of like the love of camels comes through I won't tell you how I don't want to give too many spoilers I have heard rabbit camel. <laughs> Rabies. <laughs> Not rabbit. rabbit. Is it rabbit? That's what that's the that adjective. Rabbit camel. But oh. I mean we, has rabies. No spoilers. No oh, spoilers. Sorry, that guys. No spoiler. No it's not nah. spoiler. That but was in the review. So yeah, if it's in the review, we're fine. We're safe. Yeah. safe Anything that's because the, the review definitely made me want to um watch it. So well done to the reviewer. Who was the reviewer? Gregory Wakeman, who well does done. a lot of our film reviews, and I really enjoy his work. So yeah, let's give really Greg a shout good. out. Well done, Greg. Um, so really like was very intrigued to watch the film after reading the review, and it didn't disappoint. I think there's also this really almost like this element of like her parent and her parents' love. So she is trying to grapple with, you know, you know, society like society. Pushing some boundaries, you right? know, pushing some boundaries like we all do when we're in our ute. And <laughs> and then at the end you kind of like see that the love for her father is like something that like is is kind of celebrated. And also you get this like I loved this about this. This is an overwhelming sense of like understanding her father. Okay. Um but it wasn't like, it's not obvious. It's not in your face. It's like given to you in little bits and then suddenly you realise a lot of it is about this daughter's love for her father. Yes. And I that gave me a oh, very warm, 
yeah, but warm, cuddly feeling. I've, because um, I think that relationship just isn't celebrated enough sometimes and people no. misunderstand Arab culture all oh. the time. So I'm definitely going to watch it. Definitely watch it. It's hard because at the moment, obviously, I'm mainly watching Christmas films. So it might be, like, full disclosure, a January situation for me. But that's the beauty of Netflix. It's always going to be there. Unless I unsubscribe to Netflix. Which Are I'm... you going to watch that much Christmas content? My love, it's all I'm watching. <laughs> it's like a problem. <laughs> I think and you have got a like Christmasitis. The, the worse the film, the, be- the better. Oh, no. Oh, really? One of my friends makes like an advent calendar of Christmas films, like a terrible film a day. And she does it. I have not done that. It's not, it's not been 14 yet, but there probably will be by the end. Wow. Wow. I mean, I think my daughters could join in on that, though. They've been, they watched, um, was it another Blooming Christmas? Oh, I've not watched that. Do they I add that to that. my list? Yeah, add that to your list. <laughs> okay, right. So uh, next up, Hollywood sign. Hollywood, baby. Hollywood. Hollywood. The Hollywood sign. Is 100 years young. 100 years young. <laughs> I feel like this year there's been a lot of talk about the Hollywood sign turning 100. It was this year, big chat, but it actually happened this week. So, ah. happy birthday, Hollywood. Yeah, it's so iconic. I mean, yeah. I've been to Hollywood. I've never, have you touched it? Have you been up to it? I don't know if you can anymore. Uh, maybe they've guarded it off. I People do go on like those hikes that you see Meghan Markle slash the Dutch of Sussex going on up hiking in the Hollywood Hills and I always think that would be a nice thing to do but yeah. I've done the hike to Hatter as I told you and I have touched Aha! that sign yes because Hatter is obviously a bit inspired by the Hollywood sign yes and that's just on our doorstep it is on our do- I love I do really like that hike but um, so the Hollywood sign 100 years old do you know any of the history of the Hollywood sign I know that it was obviously wasn't it to advertise an area that was nothing it was like a real estate company Ah. and so real estate sign went up with Hollywood land and Ah. then um, obviously the L-A-N-D has been taken away and now it just says Hollywood which is catchier so they made a good decision let's be Mm -hmm, real mm -hmm. it's had like different eras of disrepair there was like a phase when it kind of was just completely falling apart and Mm. then obviously as Hollywood has grown into what it is today because Hollywood, as we have it now, was not in like the 1920s, like kind of real golden era of cinema, but it wasn't the kind of mega Mm. industry that we have now. And it has kind of become completely emblematic of the film industry Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. US. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there's, there's been like a few kind of significant, obviously it's in, we just, it's what I picture when I think of LA, Hollywood. There was actually, this is a, a personal story, story time. Ah. I went on a work trip to LA, my first one, and I was like, my gosh, this is so glamorous. This is it. I'm doing film reporting now. I'm in the movies. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> She's in the movies, guys. <laughs> She's made it. She's made it. <laughs> and um, I, I checked into the W Hollywood, which I already thought was like, whoa, Ooh, who whoa, am I? Whoa. And then my window was like a big, like, it had like a seat the window, which I do like those little cozy yeah. booths. And my view is the Hollywood sign. I was like, what is happening? Selfie yeah. time. So many photos. <laughs> and I, oh, sorry. No, you? What no, I, I, the only thing I think about, I have been to LA. I have seen the Hollywood sign. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I think about is this like weird random story of Jim Carrey who'd go up to the Hollywood sign and then manifest his rise to stardom. Wow. So apparently that's what he used to do. Maybe that's where I went wrong. <laughs> Didn't manifest at the sign. I just I'm sat and looked at it in a window. I'm going to do that. Hatter. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> That'll work. 
<laughs> what else has been going on? You wanted to talk about Art Basel, Miami Beach. Mm-hmm. Which, going back to America, it is the biggest art market week of in North America. Mm-hmm. We were just at um, Abu Dhabi Art. Mm-hmm. Very similar vibes. The kind of art market, lots of galleries bringing their kind of highlight pieces, displaying them. And also a very big focus of um, Art Basel is selling the pieces. Is it Basel or Basel? I've probably said both in this recording. I think just My keep apologies. interchanging them. Like, I'll flip flop. <laughs> yeah, you flip flop and then <laughs> people can make up their own to minds. One? I will not. <laughs> but yeah, it's huge. And it's very, um, it's like notably international mm-hmm. so for some perspective Abu Dhabi art was massive Huge. you and I spent a lot of time walking around it it had I believe off the top of my head 90 galleries yeah but Art Basel had 277 exhibitors which is enormous and it was um, from countries all around the world so we had place Egyptian art Chinese art um things from Europe so obviously like Athens we had pieces from um so from Greece and then Poland so very international showing and um, we um got sent a sales report of the event which again quite like the Netflix report quite dry but there were some parts that really stood out for me that were super interesting tell me mainly about artists from this region <laughs> so there were some really huge sales there was um so pieces sold by an Egyptian artist called Gada Amer, her work called Because, and that sold for $275,000, which is a very significant sale. Oh, that's uh, nice. And then a piece I think you'll really like is a... Ceram- <laughs> I mean, this is not a shopping trip for you and I. <laughs> um, a ceram- and also these have now been bought. These are not on oh, the market not anymore. Oh, we missed our chance. Missed our shucks. <laughs> um, a ceramic sculpture. So this is right up your street. It's kind of like a tile sculpture by a Lebanese-American artist called Etel Adnan. Am I saying Etel right? E-T-E-L? Etel. Etel. Unless I see it written in Arabic, I'm really bad at understanding those the phonetic. Okay, so like, well, I just we'll say, yeah, maybe yeah. we'll flip-flop again. Maybe flip-flop. <laughs> um, and her work, so it's really, it's called Watching the Hours, and yes, yeah, kind of tile work, and it's sold for $300,000. Wow. Which is mega. Wow. Well, well done to those artists. And that sounds really cool. Can we go to Miami one day? I mean, Miami, come get us. We yeah. will come. I really want to go for the Art Deco. Yeah. Yeah, as I'm Very a big Art that Deco down, fan. That downtown Miami, isn't it? And then the kind of Cuban area, which I, would, I think we'd have a nice time in. Yeah. Well, we'll put that on the list. And here we are in the best bit of the show. Best bit of the show. Best when... bit of the week. Best <laughs> bit of the week. <laughs> Matt, Hi, guys. How I'm are back. you? Did you miss me? Yeah. Yes. I missed you guys. I it's missed been... our little, a little. Um, what do we call this? Catch up. Catch up. Yeah, our podcast. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that, the other that one. What it's <laughs> that's the that's the overarching <laughs> term. What is that? What this is? <laughs> this is the thing. That's what we're doing. Our here. conversations. How are you guys? Good. We're good. Yeah, we are. We're good. We unraveled a little bit at the beginning, yeah. so you can find out when you hear yes. this how we I was really listening are. live. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, we're good. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're recovering from mm. COP and from a couple of weeks where we've been away from our microphones. I am also recovering. What from? I had oh, yeah, sorry, my... we haven't asked you how you yeah. are. How are I you? I mean, <laughs> I'll just tell you. I was, I don't know if the word is babysitting or taking care of my three godchildren. Yes. So, I remember you yes. telling us about this. this. So I had them for three days. They are 11, 7, and 5. And are all relationships still intact? Are all humans? Yes. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm tired, but mm. it's a good tired because I... Took them out. We went to the movies. We went to the art galleries. I gave them a very fun educational three days. Got them ice cream. 
Um, it was fun. They learned all about art at Tukum Tasikal Avenue. Oh, um, so it was fun. Children. Very, very cultured children. Fun with so, Uncle yeah. Man. So yeah, every time we went into gallery, I'm like, don't embarrass me. Just be cool. You know, so <laughs> they, they understand. Do they wear Doc Martens? They, no, they don't. They're not hipster kids. Oh, sorry. Um, but my young, my youngest, the youngest had a, a unicorn, be cool unicorn hat. So she was, was it very. No, it wasn't. It, it was it was very Azrakal hipster, but with a little bit of bling. So. Okay. She made it work, Zara. Well done, yeah. Zara. Yeah. Oh, yeah so, yeah, she's very cute. So, what's great is that I took them to places that I think lots of parents should take their kids. Ah, so, it now looks like a parent. So, I have, yes, exactly. <laughs> I am here for this. Yeah. So, I have some really cool um, stuff for kids to do with parents. And it now, is the Christmas holidays exactly. or the winter holidays right now. So exactly. people will be looking for things to do. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I'll talk to you guys about is an amazing animated film that I saw. I got an early preview of it two weeks ago or a week ago. It's called, it's officially out today. Mm-hmm. It's called The Boy and the Heron. And it is by Hayao Miyazaki, who I've mentioned before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He is the Japanese director from Studio Ghibli yep. who did Spirited Away. So this is his first film in 10 years. And people are predicting it's his last film because he's 82 and he keeps retiring and then coming back and then retiring and coming back. It's a brilliant, brilliant animated film. It's all hand-drawn, so no, like, computer animated stuff. And it is about a young boy called Mahito in World War II who loses his mother. And he's kind of um, dealing with his grief and guilt. And he moves to the countryside with his father and his new wife. Mm. And while he's there... um, like I said, he's sort of dealing with this grief, and there's a heron. Do you guys know what a heron is? Yeah, sure it's a do. Bird. They fly around my neighborhood. There's a lot oh, really? in Abu Dhabi. Or oh, they might be cranes. Are I they cranes or herons? I've seen I've seen them on the side of the road. I here. call them herons. Oh, I didn't know what a heron the was. The other day, there was one literally in the path, and my dog was dumbfounded. She did not know what to do. <laughs> they are very sinister looking. Oh, do you think they're sinister? I think they're quite elegant. I think they're quite majestic. Like they're really? all limmy. Okay, anyway, it's from, the, it's from the flamingo family. Yeah. Yes. So this heron bird in the countryside is taunting him. It can talk and it's telling him, your mother is not dead. Follow me to the woods. That's probably why you think yeah, it's Yeah, that's sinister. why they're scary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Can't that's meet my herons. Too. They're lovely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he is um, taunting him to come into the woods and to find his mother. Eventually he goes to this abandoned tower and he enters this like fantastical world where there's all this crazy stuff happening and he's trying to figure out what happened to his mother. So it sounds dark, um, it's, but it's kind of like in the same vein of um, The Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. where you enter this world and you meet all these people and all these crazy, strange things happen. And it's a coming-of-age story where at the mm-hmm. end, he has to sort of make a decision about his life. But what is really beautiful about the film is not only the story, but how it's um, drawn and and the, the filming, the cinematography, the hand gesture, the, the hand gestures, the, the, the hand-drawing hand elements are beautiful. Like, Hayao Miyazaki is known for how he renders landscapes in a really beautiful way, his use of color, how he shows clouds. They're, like, iconic to him. So when it comes to just visually, like, from the visuals, it's just a stunning work of art, and the music is great. And um, the film is out now in the Japanese version, but eventually... So it's available in Vox Cinemas and Oliver Merritt's is where I saw it in, okay. in the big screen. Mm-hmm. But eventually as well, there's going to be the dubbed version. And that has Robert Pattinson, who is the heron. Big. It has um, Florence Powell. Is that how you say her name? Florence? I say Pew, but Pew? I say Pew. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone Pew. back and forth on some of my pronunciation today already. So she plays uh, a character there. And also, um, his name escapes me, the great guy from 
Batman, Batman guy, American Psycho guy. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. So he is also uh, in it. And he's those been are in, big names. Those are big, yeah, big, they names. Are big names. Yeah, they're because they two lo- Batmans and a Florence. Whoa. Yeah, two Batman. <laughs> exactly. Because everybody loves Hayao Miyazaki, and actually, um, Batman, whose name again I forget. What was his name? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Bale. He was another Hayao Miyazaki movie, Howl's Moving Castle, one of my favorites. So That's one of my favorites. whenever you hear Hayao Miyazaki, it's kind of like you hear Martin Scorsese, Scorsese for the animation world. Ah. And given that this is potentially his last film, I hope not, like it's a really big deal. And if you're a Hayao Miyazaki fan and you watch this, you will see like there is sort of like a, a journey through all of his films. Or, or the same, he's like a big path, pacifist and he's an environmentalist. So you see the same kind of world peace care I'm about your definitely my children yeah. absolutely love his film so I'm definitely going to that you must did you see that it has been nominated for a Golden Globe oh it has it yeah. I, I already knew that it was a it's in a box office hit in Japan already but I didn't know that it was nominated for. that's yes. amazing On see, the, you come to Culture Bites you learn something we're learning new. from each other guys. we all we are here to learn <laughs> and educate but mostly learn yeah. <laughs> so what else has been going on so there is a really, really cool show that I think um, people should t- go to and take their kids to. It's in the project space in Estacala Avenue. It's called The Melting Point. Is this it, what you took your culture yes, to? This is, my you are to. giving us all the tips on where to go. I love yes. this. This is why we have man here. Yeah, this is why I've I been come. That, I've been lost for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing with my life? So this exhibition is called Melting Point, and it is in uh, the project space in Elsacala Avenue. It is by a conceptual artist called um, Julian Chereri. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And um, so you go in, and there is a video projecting on a piece of paper, and it's just floating. It looks like it's floating in the dark. And he is a kind of climate... He's interested in climate and the environment. And the video shows Greenland as the snow is melting, um, when the season is kind of changing, Mm -hmm. but also because of climate change. But what you see is there's, because of climate change and because of the ice is melting, there are all these kind of like sinkholes that happen in the ice. They're not huge sinkholes, but they're like well-sized and it's the ice melting. And he films them really close up. It looks quite beautiful, but in the video, you see his hand go over the hole, the, the well, and he releases what looks like diamonds. They actually are diamonds. And so you think, what is this actually about? So what he did is during COVID, he wanted to create a work about climate change and about the ice melting. And he got a thousand people from around the world to blow into balloons and have their carbon dioxide in balloons. I know this sounds crazy. It sounds like sorcery, but it's really interesting. And then he went to some um, really clever scientists who turned the carbon dioxide into diamonds. You know, lab, mm-hmm, lab mm-hmm, grown mm-hmm, diamonds, because mm-hmm. they're made from carbon dioxide or whatever. And this was, and then he took these diamonds that were made from a thousand people's carbon. carbon dioxide. And he sort of did a gesture to give it back to the earth. Because diamonds come from the earth, and we have been neglecting the, the planet, and mm-hmm. the ice is melting. And so this was his kind of way, in a, in a, in a sort of a gesture, to apologize to the earth and to also at the same time show the world how much the ice in these places is melting. So it's kind of like a, I'm sorry Aww. to the earth, but at the same time sh- really showing these landscapes that are disappearing in front of our, Did front of our eyes. Did he leave the diamonds there? Yeah. You just literally see him drop these diamonds. Is, into sinkholes. That's, that's what he just said. That, He's giving them back. Is it literary? No, it's diamonds. Can you okay. litter diamonds? No, because he made them from us and or from the earth. But diamonds are like famously 
quite robust. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> so they're going to be milling around for a little while. Listen, go say, to Greenland, find some diamonds. That's yeah, what I'm exactly. <laughs> I mean, while I was, I mean, they're very little diamonds. Okay. Don't think it was just one big, one big diamond. It wasn't like yeah. a big JLo ring. It wasn't a big JLo <laughs> ring. No, no. Just the, yeah, we are a cop. There was a lot about the melting um, glaciers and yeah. He, had, he also had another video. I won't get, get too much into it, but he had to create his own specialized cameras and drones to film the Arctic landscapes. Um, and it looks like a crazy fantasy landscape. And he these cameras zoom in and they show you the ice cracking and the water melting. And did you know that in the Antarctic, to, to keep the ice from freezing, they put all these blankets on their eyes? Oh, my God. This oh, is really scary. It's, me. it's really... It's but it was great taking the kids to it because... Oh, <laughs> oh great. They learned something. <laughs> they learned something. Question that you might not know the answer for, so, or two, so don't mean to put you on the spot. But no. how long is that on for? It is on for Jan until January the 3rd or 4th. Okay, so people have so time. Maybe people have break. time. Yes, they do have time. Something is kind of related that we were we wrote about this week, the, scare, the world's scariest bouquet did you see this yes i did see this i saw the video as well it's great okay flowers of flowers it's um flowers are growing in antarctica or yeah and the fact that flowers are growing there is oh, terrifying that, like, is... that shouldn't be happening and so it was a um, i believe a canadian company that had this bouquet yes. of flowers going around cop and just the fact that they exist is terrifying well, there's two types of flowers and yeah and are they not like are they flowers that we can like are they special oh they're yeah they're really beautiful they're really pretty they're little yellow blooms and they shouldn't exist. But they shouldn't exist. They're not like, you aren't going to like pop into spinnies in a flower department, yeah. grab <laughs> them and Antarctica. take them home. <laughs> but, um, but they, yeah, they exist and they shouldn't exist. It's really scary. It is. Oh, it's really like made me sad. I was having so much fun, guys. Sorry, oh, guys. Sorry. But I think, <laughs> oh, it, I think it's fun to think about how we can... Um, anxiety. Let's, we, all have, yeah. let's all leave with it today. How we can also like communicate this stuff to kids in a way that makes them understand like how important it is mm, yeah which yeah, brings exactly. me to my next oh, gallery beautiful. Yes, Lovely. beautiful segue um it's called from ink to action and this is an exhibition also happening in Circle avenue in warehouse 48 in Circle avenue mm -hmm. and it is a um collaboration between the british council and um what are they called sorry the Lakes International Comics Festival, which is a big comics festival in the U.S. And they have collaborated together to find 12 Arab uh, visual artists or comic book artists to come together. And each of them have created a short comic that talks about a specific climate issue in their region. So you have artists from Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria, Lebanon, Egypt. And they can create like a fantasy comic or a very serious comic or one that's kind of more infographics. And it's um, about discussing a particular or imagining a particular issue around climate change. So you have one um, comic, which is about like the world in the future, which is half water and how people kind of are, are, are living or th surviving through that. One artist I spoke to was called Mehdi Anasi. He's from Morocco. And he did a small comic of a conversation he had with his grandfather from Morocco. Uh, about watermelons. So he was telling me about how watermelons are very seasonal in Morocco and all fruits and vegetables are seasonal. And he remembers growing up that whenever he'd see like truckloads of watermelons or truckloads of apples, he'd know, oh, it's, it's the beginning of spring or the beginning of winter mm -hmm, because of mm -hmm, these fruits. Mm -hmm. But because watermelon is a, a very fruitful fruit, <laughs> it's one that makes a lot of money. Uh, this particular area in Morocco has found a way to use um, water reserves to... Um, water certain areas to 
plant more watermelons throughout the year. And so now you see water, watermelons everywhere. And what it's done is that it's using up water that should be used for other things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, over sort of overutilizing the land. And he's like wondering what effect this will have to the ecosystem in Morocco and to this, p- this particular mm. area. So it's even these sort of like subtle stories that, you know, from his grandfather's time to his time, or in his grandfather, sorry, in his grandfather's time, watermelon was just a specific time of year. But now it's all year round. Just even these kind of visual markers mm. of knowing when fruit is supposed to be Listen to Mother Nature. Exactly. Because apparently as well, like if you do eat fruit, which is seasonal and vegetables that are seasonal, it's better for your immune system. It's better for you in the cycle of Mother Nature. Yeah, exactly. And more shallow, but they do taste better when they're meant to be grown. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But what I love about this particular exhibition is that it's all of these very fun comics that you know very visually appealing very funny very short and it's a great engaging way and it's not all i mean it is sort of doom and gloom but when you're reading it as a child it's just making you think about things as opposed to making you think about how mm. sad and, and depressing. my daughter absolutely adores how old is she like uh she is eight Oh, right. eight last week mm. and she absolutely adores uh, graphic novels mm. and she's been reading a lot of them and I think it's such a good way to get children into reading from early because they can finish a book in yeah. a day and they so and they feel proud a sense of, of achievement as well when they, yeah. when they read a book that's a graphic novel a graphic novel yeah. and I think there's a lot of like writers that have been I even I, I was doing some research sorry off topic Anthony Bourdain did some graphic novels did he? yeah they I would like to read yeah I would really like to read them how do we source them? About Online. food? Uh, they, they're like different subjects. Oh, okay. But it, it teamed up. Mm-hmm. But I just really like his writing, obviously. Everyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, he keeps popping up in conversations recently. So I was like, oh, I'll do some research into his writing. And yeah, lo and behold, graphic novel by Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. So that's it. That's all we have time for today uh, from today's Culture Bites. Thank you so much for listening. And we promise to get you lots more interesting stories next week. And if you like this episode, please follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Bye. Bye.